so that's such a good story. <laughs> it's been a fun. It's been, it's been a fun week for news. Yeah, it really of- was. Yeah. It's Friday, May 26th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Inflatable Flamingo Intern. And with me today is uh, Gordon Derrick, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and North Sea Minister. Uh, these are excellent job titles. These are um, supremely good job titles. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should start with yours. Yeah, also, it yeah. does unfortunately mean that I have to talk about my latest... Uh, uh, <laughs> the latest accessory. Accessory, yeah, yeah indeed. Uh, that is um, has everything to do with uh, Education Minister Dennis Wiersma, who has yeah. come under fire recently. Um, Dennis Wiersma, it turns out, is a little bit of a hothead. Uh, yeah, and, to say the um, least. Yeah. To say the least. And um, thanks to revelations by the Telegraaf and subsequently uh, NRC, we know that he has a long history of uh, yelling and uh, screaming at his interns and at his um, aides and his uh, um, yeah close co-workers. Um, he had that already when he was an, a VVD MP. Uh, I think he became f- MP five years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and in this, in um, uh, Rutte's latest cabinet, he was uh, elevated to the uh, uh, esteemed position as uh, Minister of uh, Primary and Secondary Education. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it turns out that uh, he uh, he keeps handling his uh, his nearest co-workers in the same way. And yeah. uh, it's uh, to such an extent that uh, uh, a quite large number of them... Um, yeah, felt that they had to resign or they had to go away or 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 they even um, were forced to leave because they uh, they ended up having a burnout. Yeah. Um, the NSA article um, had a <laughs> number of juicy details. Uh, for example, that he is uh, yeah absolutely obsessed uh, about his social media presence. He demands that uh, every day basically there is a video of 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 him and what he is doing as a minister on social media, so on platforms as uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. He, uh, he is involved to the, uh, to the uh, uh, smallest details about yeah. uh, everything that's happening yeah, he, in the yeah, video. Yeah, he's just an obsessive micromanager, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And when it's not uh, going uh, according to, to his will, then yeah, he has these uh, anger outbursts. Yeah, yeah, outbursts. so they're just these, these outbursts of rage, apparently. Yeah. The, 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 and the, I think the people that NSA spoke to who uh, quite wisely decided to start anonymous said um that this would in a good week you might get to he might uh, blow up in your face once a week but on a it was quite often every on a daily basis yeah and the incredible thing yeah. is that this was happening you know in the parliament complex and at ministries places where journalists are constantly coming and going and reporting every tiny detail of every you know cough and spit of every meeting and yet for five years there was a minister and an mp who was basically bullying and intimidating staff and nobody seemed to know about it yeah, officially yeah, very strange yeah. um and where does this uh inflatable flamingo uh <laughs> indeed yes yes so where, how does it was he advised if he felt a temper tantrum coming on to like blow up a flamingo to kind of calm <laughs> so that you know the, 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 to, the, so that was kind of like a uh, an outlet for his energy so by the time he finished p- blowing up the flamingo he, he'd actually exhausted himself and he couldn't uh you know he he he, he, he couldn't explode anymore 
Well, I blew up a flamingo myself last night, and I know uh, from experience now that it's an excellent way to uh, to to get rid of all your energy. <laughs> um, so that that's that's a good advice, I have to say. Now, uh, on the on the day of the um, NSA uh, article when it came out, uh, there was also a video of him um, walking around an airport with an inflatable uh, flamingo uh, and uh, uh, with a trolley behind him. Mm. Um, in in one of those um, uh, characteristic um, uh, 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 social media videos, which mm. he probably have micromanaged uh, himself uh, <laughs> uh, 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 as well, um, and he was um, yeah saying good luck to all the secondary school st- uh, students who are now uh, doing their school exams, uh, because after that traditionally they go on holiday. Of course, that was that was the but the the the, the contrast between. All the revelations from this article and this, yeah, sort of goofy uh, uh, video of him wearing this flamingo. That was, uh, it was quite brilliant, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think we will uh, definitely hear m- much more about uh, uh, Dennis Viersma and his uh, uh, and yeah, his short political fuse. future. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was seen, um, from what I understand, as a potential. Uh, successor of uh, Mark Rutte as leader of the VVD party. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. I think this is why they wanted to keep a lid on it because they thought he was a potential future prime minister. But uh, yeah. it's hard to believe yeah. that when you think that uh, obviously it's an open secret within, or certainly or something that VVD should have known about it and also the uh, the ministerial staff, given how many people were, were leaving their jobs. That should have been a clue that all was not yeah. well at his ministry. Um, but the VVD, I think uh, Sophie Hermans, the parliamentary group leader, came out this week and said they'd had a stern chat with him and he'd agreed to work on himself, so everything was okay. Yeah, that, that, yeah, we must uh, say that as well, of course. He has, yeah. uh, he has said on multiple occasions that he uh, is working on himself to improve him. And, but, but yeah, he also says that this is the first time that he has heard about uh, uh, s- uh, uh, these complaints, even though... <laughs> Um, yeah, from the NSA articles, we know that that is very unlikely. That that yeah. is the only that's the first time that he has heard about it. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, day familiar with the concept of the exit interview? Because if they're not, they should really start <laughs> st- start holding them. Because that's yeah, <laughs> sort of yeah, one of the reasons yeah, that in, you do this to pick up these. Indeed, you know. Um, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, this this talk yeah. that that the day faction had uh, with him is also extraordinary in itself. Because this is, I think, the only time that a minister is summoned to the faction uh, uh, conference room of a political party in the Tweede Kamer to, mm. you know, discuss his behavior. Yes. I, I, yeah. No, I can't remember any instance that yeah. this has ever happened. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. very it's extraordinary. It's kind of a nice touch that the Minister for Education is being summoned to the headmaster's office. Yeah. <laughs> and given a stern ticking off. <laughs> and I have to say, Sophie Hermans reminds me of a secondary school teacher very <laughs> exactly, often. Yeah. So it's perfect, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The circle is round. Yes. All right. Uh, continuing to uh, yeah, probably uh, an even better job title of you, the North Sea Minister. What is that yeah. about? Yeah, I think it's something you actually picked up on social media, that uh, the Belgians have this uh, wonderful title of North Sea Minister for the North Sea, which is an official part of a government department, which is great when you look at a map and see how exactly how much North Sea coast <laughs> the Belgians actually have. It's about sort of two, uh, about sort of two miles running from Zeebrugge to, uh, uh, to Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think only Bosnia and Herzegovina have a smaller coastline than Belgium. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. So I, I noticed a couple of years ago that the uh, Belgian federal minister for the North Sea um, is uh, at the same time also the minister for digital agenda, telecommunication and post 
com combating mm. social fraud, uh, privacy, and the Minister for Administrative Simplification. <laughs> <laughs> a guy who has a job title that runs to 27 words is also the Minister for Administrative Simplification. Yes, and I believe he was also the, the mayor of another Belgium city at yeah. the same time. So he had a lot of work to do in that, uh, that uh, department. Uh, but today there was a, a debate in the Tweede Kamer about how uh, the Netherlands should protect the underwater infrastructure in the North Sea better against the Russians. And uh, one idea was that, uh, like the Belgians, we should have uh, one minister that's responsible for everything that's happening in the North Sea. And then uh, the minister for infrastructure explained that the, how the Belgians determine who is going to be the Belgian minister for the North Sea. And that is basically the person who lives <laughs> the closest <laughs> to the sea. <laughs> and that one is... Uh, has the has the additional uh, responsibilities right. for the North Sea. I don't know why that is relevant. But well, yeah, I guess it cuts down on expenses, do it, doesn't I, it? I, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that is also something Definitely. we should adopt in the yeah. Netherlands as well. The r the richest person needs to be the minister for finance, yeah. and uh, uh, the person with the largest number of uh, of passports should be for yeah, yeah, the minister. The minister who's most often placed in detention should be the minister for education as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's enough of uh, flaming and, and flamingos. Uh, what's the op-ed of the week this <laughs> week, Paul? Yes, um, yeah, this is also great because I think this is possibly the largest op-ed we've seen this year so far. Um, something called Atlas Research published its annual ranking of the most attractive cities to live in in the Netherlands, uh, and they compared the 50 largest uh, Dutch municipalities on more than 50 factors, such as employment level, vicinity of universities, housing prices, cultural facilities, etc. And this resulted in the most shockingly uh, disturbing <laughs> and absurd list ever. Um, not only came Amsterdam on top, which itself raised a lot of eyebrows, uh, but for some mysterious reason, uh, very incomprehensible reasons, mm. I have to say, uh, places such as Hilversum, Schiedam and Soetermeer ended up higher than, for example, Gouda, Groningen yeah. and Breda. I mean, there are places that um, are not real places here, like Haarlemmermeer. Who, who thinks of that as a real place? This is basically a few houses no. around Schiphol, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and houses that complain about the noise, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they complain about the noise, and yet it's apparently the, 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 a, a, t a town or a couple of villages that are directly beneath Schiphol's flight path are the 11th best place to yeah. live in the Netherlands, yeah, right? Yeah. You, people would actually rather live there, apparently, than in uh, Bos or Groningen. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, but I think they just, uh, yeah, Molly, Molly Quell, Alferio uh, uh, Molly Quell uh, had the uh, had the best um, theory on how they uh, comprised this list, and she said that yeah. this list should be called the re-ranked every bullshit dorpje in the Randstad over literally all the rest <laughs> of the cities, which I think is uh, probably, uh, yeah, I I would definitely believe that that's the way how they uh, 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 made this list. Um, yeah, because it, it is very strikingly Randstad Central. I'm mean, yeah. just looking, looking through it, and I think the first place that is outside of the two Holland provinces, I think, is Amersfoort. Mm, yeah. Which is a nice think. place to live, yeah. I have to say, yes. Yeah, it's a reasonable place to yeah. live. It's quite dull, but it's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the most average city in the Netherlands or something. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those places that the king goes to for his birthday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that type of town. <laughs> very yeah. average fact, I think he has been there for his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, according to the research, uh, the average Dutchman finds the vicinity of work, cultural facilities, safety and good horeca more important than the presence of an attractive park or a pleasant 
Well, if, 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 if good Hoyka is, is a factor, then surely <laughs> everywhere within like 10 miles of Belgium should be high up this list. That's right. P- possibly Germany. I don't know. How is the German Hoyka? Probably not as good not as the Belgian. I, I, would, right? I, I, would, I would prefer Belgium. Yes, yes, yes. I Certainly believe so too. In terms of the border towns. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this year they had also a special focus on high quality green and blue. Um, so uh, forests, nature and water. And if only that is taken into account, Arnhem comes out as the most attractive city. Um, ah. Plenty of bridges to cross the waters there. Um, and yes, uh, lots of people were being built recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lots of people were, uh, of course, uh, insulted uh, for how low their beloved cities were ranked on this list. Except me, because uh, yes. I find a forty-first place for Rosendaal very generous. Forty-second. Forty-second. Just below Leovarde. Okay, yeah. I thought it was for, uh, forty yeah. forty-first, but forty-second uh, is even better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that like uh, I mean, fifth place is uh, Leidschedam Voorburg, which is. You know, which is a place with a hyphen. It's actually two suburbs of Reisvijk, which is a satellite town of The Hague. It's not a real place at all. No, so and, and the biggest claim to fame <laughs> is uh, having a mall. No, no, the biggest claim to fame is that uh, certain MPs from certain political parties um, live there in their mother's spare rooms while pretending to uh, be based in Maastricht so they can claim, ex- <laughs> claim the expenses. I think it was Sittard, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and Emin was right at the bottom of the list, oh, the yeah. 50th as well, which I think is a disgraceful slide. Yeah. And because uh, uh, Emin is uh, okay, it's not the centre of the universe, but to say it's uh, below everywhere else, you know, including places like uh, you know Fenlo and Helmond, it's yeah. just uh, an os. Yes. Just ridiculous. But I'm sure they uh, they will have a, a higher place in the ranking next year when when uh, 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 they have their new shirt sponsor for FCM. Well, I was going to say, yeah, this is a uh, um, no, no, it's a new stadium sponsor. Oh, stadium yeah. sponsor, sorry. They're, they're keeping this purchase sponsor. Any town whose football team is sponsored by uh, by a company that makes sex toys cannot, you know, <laughs> it's got a lot to say for itself, you know. And that's a, that's a very assertive kind of place. You're absolutely it's right. And we will link... Uh, Forward-thinking town. Yes, yeah. indeed. And we will link to the uh, article on the NOS with the uh, top 50 list uh, in the liner notes. You can check yeah. out where you live. This week. Yeah. And get in touch with us and tell us what's great about your town or what's terrible about your city if it's Amsterdam. Yes. Because all Amsterdamers seem to hate living in Amsterdam and so they want to move. That's the other ironic thing about this list. Yeah. This week, uh, Amsterdam has done the unimaginable and banned smoking weed on the streets. The Senate is voting on a major new pension law in the last weeks of its current composition, while Immigration Minister Van den Burg is doing his best to avoid a repetition of last summer in Ter Apel. Robko Hoekstra had an awkward reception on his visit to China. The Rijksmuseum received a very generous donation. We have lots of sports news, probably a little bit too much. Too uh, much, really. Yes, yeah. and we finally know why the Algemene Rekenkamer raided several army bases last week. <laughs> It's a great story. It's worth listening to the end for that one. Definitely. The most attractive city in the Netherlands, Amsterdam, is determined to put an end to its reputation as a sleazy mainland Europe stag party capital. From this week, smoking cannabis in public, long seen by visitors from certain countries as one of the city's main attractions, will be banned and carry a fine of 100 euros. 
Posters have gone up all around the city in English, warning tourists of the consequences of lighting up a joint in the Burgvallen Oudersijde district, or buying drugs from street dealers, uh, which actually was already illegal, and in fact it was one of the main reasons that they decided to license cannabis cafes in the first place. Mayor Famke Halsema said the situation in the red light district had gone so far out of control that emergency vehicles could not get through the streets. Councillors have complained about glassy-eyed tourist zombies staggering about and some have called for the sale of cannabis to visitors to be banned altogether. The City Council has also launched a stay-away campaign aimed at young tourists from the UK, which uh, was so wonderfully uh, effective that it immediately triggered a surge in bookings. And uh, Leon Heinhaus, who's leader of the local Labour Party group, said, quote, Amsterdam is a city that's built on freedom, but it's often abused by people who want to make money. So... The VOC mentality <laughs> really has gone out of fashion. <laughs> yes. And uh, Femke Halsma is worried about uh, emergency vehicles uh, that don't uh, that can't get through the streets. But uh, I mean, I, I see people in the red light district in nurses' outfits all the time. It doesn't seem to be a problem. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but uh, now they also have to uh, avoid Russian tanks, right, uh, in the city yes. centre of Amsterdam. Because uh, there's uh, a destroyed Russian T-70 tank, I believe, is uh, uh, on display at the Leidseplein. Yeah. yeah, intriguingly, the, we, we had the same number of uh, Russian tanks in Amsterdam as they had in the Russian Victory Day parade in Moscow. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of uh, nuisance tourism, uh, the European Parliament is also looking at uh, tightening the rules for holiday apartments, right? Yeah, this is an initiative that's been led by a Dutch Green GroenLinks MP, uh, Kim van Sparantak, uh, who says the recent growth in online short-term rental, which is mainly holiday lets, has impacted society in uh, many ways, many of them negative. In 2022, 547 million nights were booked across the EU through websites such as Airbnb, Booking.com and TripAdvisor. And Mm. while it's boosted tourism in some cities, it's also taken houses out of the market in popular destinations, which has led to inflated prices, problems with noise and the loss of local shops as communities are displaced by tourists. European cities have acted in various ways to curb the spread of online letting. In Amsterdam, residents face hefty fines if they let out their property for more than 30 days a year or take unregistered bookings, although some of those penalties have since been successfully challenged in court. Van Sparatak said that local authorities at the moment depended on the willingness of letting platforms to share their information because there was no legal requirement to do so. So she says there should be a common registration system for all platforms and councils should be able to suspend registration or order properties to be delisted if landlords did not comply with the rules. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, on my recent trip to Sevilla, I also booked a airbnb it was the first time and i thought it was brilliant so uh yeah <laughs> i i understand why it's so uh so I've popular been booking yes. i mean it's been going on for a long time i've been booking airbnbs for at least 10 years and it wasn't particularly new then either so hmm. it's, it's, okay. it's strange that it's taken so long for them to come around to the idea of maybe it needs to yeah. be regulated yeah 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 enough about amsterdam the greatest place on earth greatest place greatest city in the netherlands and yet apparently also a sleazy drug ridden prostitution Russian tank ridden Russian tank ridden a politics roundup now beginning with the new pension law on Tuesday pension minister Carola Schouter said she is prepared to delay the start date for the new pension system by one year to 2028 Senators from CDA as well as GroenLinks and PvdA, the latter two uh, are crucial to pass the legislation, uh, Mm. asked uh, Schouten to bring in the delay to give pension funds more time to adapt. 
CDA senators are concerned the current deadline of January 1st, 2027 is too tight and they fear specialists and supervisors of the central bank who are helping the pension funds to make the transition will face too much pressure. The cabinet's aim of the legislation is to make corporate pensions more sustainable and to spread the burden of paying for pensions more fairly across generations. But of course the changes uh, have been heavily criticized by opposers who say the new system will lead to too much uncertainty. Workers with a company pension scheme will no longer know in advance how much pension they will get uh, because the economy will have uh, more of an influence on payouts. And the Dutch pension system is currently based on uh, three pillars, the state pension uh, AOV, compulsory corporate pension schemes and individual or private pension schemes. And if the legislation is passed next week, pension funds will have uh, four and a half years to make the switch. And it is uh, far from certain if this legi legislation will pass. Um, we, uh, um, uh, there is a, uh, an interesting debate going on right now. Uh, next week we have the election for the Senate and uh, the new Senate will, um, will come uh, into effect uh, the first week of June. And there are all sorts of discussions uh, uh, right now uh, on, on uh, should um, an outgoing Senate still have uh, a say in, in these sort of uh, yeah, impactful uh, legislations. Has any has any party in particular been um, uh, voicing uh, th this argument that they should wait for the new senate to come in? By any chance? Yes, yeah. <laughs> one one party in particular that was yes, uh, uh, so. the Boerburgerbeweging of yeah. Caroline van der Plas. Um, Caroline van der Plas is an MP for the BBB. She has one seat in the uh, lower house, but uh, after the eerste Kamer elections, she will her party will be the largest in the Senate, of course. Uh, they yeah, are currently has no senators. And yeah. no senators now, right now, yeah. indeed. Um, and they opposed the law, so uh, Caroline van der Plas sent a letter to the Senate requesting them to postpone the vote, uh, which uh, caused all sorts of uh, outraged reactions, because how does an, uh, a lower house member dare to yeah. uh, um, uh, suggest something about the uh, Senate's uh, agenda? Uh, which where they have a, a point, of course, uh, but it's not that this is rushed through or anything, because you know they have been the Senate has been debating uh, uh, these legislations and uh, are um, uh, uh, asking questions about it for many months right now. So um, yeah. it's not that they have decided l last week or something. Oh, we should vote on this uh, just before we we uh, uh, just before the new Senate kicks in. Um, but still, um, constitutionally. Uh, Caroline van der Plas doesn't have a point. Uh, politically, uh, you might argue she 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 might have, um, and uh, she's of course backed by all sorts of other parties. The PVV, for example, uh, 50 plus, who still exists in the Senate. Uh, the well, so yeah, so they're, they're going the other way, aren't they? They're, they're going to lose all the senators after this election. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Martin van Rooyen, uh, he uh, asked a thousand questions on the new law in an uh, <laughs> in an effort to uh, to uh, 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 delay the um, the uh, uh, legislative procedures as much as possible, yeah. uh, in which he failed. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it was an interesting time. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, we have uh, the other. Um, oh, oh, oh! The, the no, there was one, one more juicy, oh, uh, juicy more detail. detail. I sorry, almost yes. forgot. Uh, <laughs> there was a debate on the pension last week. Uh, the PVV senator wanted to delay the the debate, uh, yeah, because he, uh, yeah, doesn't want uh, the 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 bill to pass, of course. Uh, so he he requested a headcount on his uh, 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 motion, saying that the uh, debate should be uh, delayed. Uh, 
but the interesting thing was the debate uh, had already started two hours ago. So uh, oh. <laughs> that, uh, that, that, w- that was quite a, uh, a surrealistic uh, moment. And it also meant that uh, every senator that was already on the way to, to their homes uh, had to uh, rush back to The Hague uh, to vote uh, for, this, uh, for this motion. Okay. Yeah, so uh, pensions are one long-running saga. Uh, another uh, uh, ongoing debate and uh, cr- uh, uh, running crisis is, uh, of course, the asylum situation. Uh, so the, 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 uh, the immigration minister has um, had some words for lo- local authorities this week. Yes, um, um, uh, Erik van den Beur, who is the uh, immigration minister, has warned local authorities to stop choosing which asylum seekers uh, they are taking in. Some municipalities insist on only taking in uh, families and refusing single men. Uh, and if the mis- municipalities persist, the government will intervene directly, Van der Beur warned them. Uh, he also said that uh, he is developing an emergency plan to cope with an expected overload of new asylum requests at the uh, Ter Apel Reception Center in Groningen, where all new arrivals are required to register. Uh, last summer, we all remember it very well, there, was a, there were chaotic schemes when hundreds of refugees slept outside the main gates in tents or in the open air because the center had reached its capacity. Uh, the minister plans to use hotels uh, to ensure no one sleeps outside. Uh, I don't know how many Airbnbs there are in the vicinity of their Apple, but... Uh, uh, not enough, I think. Not yeah. enough, probably. Yeah. Um, there were also uh, uh, there are also extra officers uh, being drafted to speed up the registration process and to check travel documents. Uh, and an event center in nearby Asse will be turned into a temporary accommodation for 500 new arrivals. Uh, this year, the government expects over 70,000 asylum seekers to come to the Netherlands, while the capacity is now 50,000. So yeah, there is. Uh, um, extra capacity is needed, but um, these 50,000 is already uh, include already includes a lot of emergency shelters. Um, yep. So um, yeah, it is. Um, the question is, will they manage uh, uh, to uh, yeah to accommodate every newcomer? Yeah, will they manage to somehow uh, avert a, 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 um, a repeat of uh, last year's crisis, which was appalling and condemned by Sans yeah. Frontieres? So uh, yeah, it's going to be very difficult for them, I think. Um, and Van der Berg will also be, I guess, one of the ministers facing um, uh, a lot of uh, or, uh, a lot of questions when the Fefe Day has its con- conference uh, next week. Yes, um, that was already the case last uh, their last conference, uh, um, yeah, roughly a half a year ago. Uh, yeah. And in that congress, uh, it was um, uh, yeah after that congress, the Fefe Day faction in the Tweede Kamer. Um, sort of blocked the new spreading law, which is meant to uh, to, to spread asylum seekers better over the country. Uh, they were very discontent with the with their own uh, minister's plan because uh, Van der Burg is of course also a VVD minister. Um, after that, Mark Rutte was summoned to the Tweede Kamer uh, to uh, give an explanation and to say how he's going to plan to uh, lower the uh, the number of asylum seekers in the Netherlands. Um, but yes, that uh, he Mark Rutte promised to do everything he can and also uh, 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 look for ways in Europe to uh, to to reach uh, uh, that goal um, but yeah I don't think that uh, VVD members are uh, happy with uh, uh, 
uh, with Magret uh, has accomplished until now, which is uh, yeah almost nothing. <laughs> no, so, exactly. Um, there's, there's likely to be a lot of uh, yeah a lot of turbulence. Not least, of course, because one of the measures that uh, Rutte promised um, to limit asylum seeker numbers was to uh, have a temporary ban on uh, family reunification, and of course that's since been thrown out by the courts. They've had to abandon it, so they've gone back to square yeah. one on that one. So the things yeah. they have tried have been ruled illegal, which is yeah. a bit of a problem. Yeah, indeed. And um, yeah, the government had expected 50,000 new arrivals this year. That um, prognosis has been uh, yeah, adjusted to 70,000. Uh, hopefully the 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 the, the uh, uh, a repeat of the of the uh, yeah scenes in Ter Apel will be avoided but uh, i think der van der Burg has a has a has a tough time ahead of him yeah yeah He'll, he has a lot of he has a real challenge in front of him Foreign Affairs Minister Vopke Hoekstra has been in China this week to tell his counterparts in Beijing that their country is both a valuable trading partner and a major threat to national security. <laughs> You've been listening to the, to, the, to the Chinese uh, Foreign Affairs Minister because that's what he has been saying, right? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite a high wire act he's had to, um, he's had to walk uh, this week uh, in Beijing, Hoekstra. It's the first time that a Dutch minister has travelled to China on official business since the coronavirus pandemic started. And Hoekstra acknowledged that he was going to have to walk a very tricky tightrope. Um, on the one hand, uh, yeah, China, well, the Netherlands really can't do without China. Trade between the two countries is worth 73 billion euros a year. And the two countries have fruitful partnerships, both in industry and the academic sphere. But uh, unfortunately, that comes at a price. Uh, the Dutch have come under a lot of pressure from the Americans recently to restrict the sales of semiconductors by ASML to Beijing. And uh, universities in Delft, Utrecht and elsewhere have raised concerns about the China Scholarship Council's postgraduate program. This is fully funded by the Chinese government, and it turns out that many of the students uh, uh, who've come over to study technology and engineering are from universities that are aligned with the Chinese armed forces. So hmm. yeah, that raises the spectre, obviously, of Dutch technology being used to bomb Taiwan, which we don't really want to see. No. Hoekstra has also recently ordered the Chinese embassy to close two illegal police stations that were found to be operating undercover in the Netherlands. And the Dutch parliament enraged Beijing two years ago when it became the first legislature in Europe to formally recognise the treatment of China's Uyghur minority as an act of genocide. Uh, so was there any more drama during the visit? Well, it was a joint press conference with Hoekstra and his uh, Chinese opposite number, uh, Kin Yang, which is fair to say got uh, fairly testy. Uh, Chinese officials aren't really used to being asked uh, direct questions, and uh, it showed. Uh, Gang was asked about Chinese interference in Dutch technology, and in reply he accused the intelligence services of sitting around in dark rooms making up stories, and then <laughs> said the media was responsible for inflaming the situation. And he said, quote, if we're such a threat, why are we your largest trading partner? Which, of course, is yes. exactly the question human rights organizations have been asking for several years. <laughs> yeah, but then, uh, yeah, from a different uh, standpoint, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, from a slightly different perspective. Yeah. The Dutch Defence Ministry has gone on record warning of the risk of selling semiconductors to China and said it raises the prospect of NATO countries being confronted with sophisticated homemade Chinese weapons based on Western technology. There was also an awkward moment when the two ministers spelled out their country's uh, quite different positions on Ukraine. Hoekstra mm. said the Netherlands stood side by side with Ukraine while Gang would only say that China wanted a ceasefire. But uh, Hoekstra did end his visit with a promise to keep up the important trading relationship, which after all is uh, the VOC mentality uh, writ large. <laughs> and uh, he then went on a tour of the Forbidden City. 
Ah, very nice. So, uh, and, and, and where does the Forbidden City rank in the top 50 of best <laughs> places to live? <laughs> it's, it's a good question, yeah. And also, <laughs> is there like a drive uh, a drive-in motel there where you can have a <laughs> crisis talks with his CDR um, party, party colleagues? There are lots of doors. Yes. <laughs> if you'd like to strengthen your relationship with this podcast, we don't need semiconductors or state secrets. For as little as one euro or a dollar a month, you'll earn our sincere gratitude, the chance to ask us a question, and possibly even influence our lineup a little. This week, we'd like to thank one new patron, Jeffrey uh, Egger. So thank you very much indeed for your support, Jeffrey. Thank you. Jeffrey. Uh, he's just got one request for us. He said, please report more cricket news. So, <laughs> I know how much you love the cricket news, Paul. So, Yeah, well, I don't know if I love it because I don't know what, what's going on. Um, but I, yeah. I believe there is a world championship or something going on there, in the there might be there might we might slip some cricket news in in the extremely long sports section so yes, yes stay tuned yes, yes. um but we will do our best and as it just so happens here there are some very important bat and ball matches coming up in the next few weeks if you'd like to be a sponsor of the dutch news podcast and uh, get your uh, give a shout out for yourself and your favorite sport uh, log on to www.patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dutch news nl the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam received a substantial gift of 12.5 million euros from a generous donor for a sculpture exhibition in the museum's garden. It's uh, the largest private donation ever to the Rijksmuseum, which depends for a third on partners, funds and private donations. The donor, who wishes to remain anonymous, has been supporting the exhibition in the historic garden since 2013. The gardens have hosted three exhibitions with works by Louise Bourgeois, Giuseppe Benone and Barbara Hepworth, uh, among others. Um, I was unfamiliar with them, but... Hmm. <laughs> uh, from Friday, eight works by British landscape artist Richard Long will be on display. Uh, the museum said the garden can remain freely accessible for the coming 10 years, thanks to the donation. And earlier, the benefactor, who is reportedly a lover of nature, also donated about 700 drawings and watercolors of animals and plants, which were used in the Onderreepsels exhibition, which was about how uh, which was about the changing way art and science looks at insects over the years. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, the, the, I have to say that uh, the garden is really nice at the Rijksmuseum. Um, uh, so uh, definitely a, a, a tip uh, to uh, check out. Um, and uh, Shinai Bostas has written an article about the new exhibition uh, with the sculptures of Richard Long. Uh, on dutchnews.nl and we will uh, link to that article in the liner notes yeah <coughs> on to sports news and it's been a pretty successful season for PSV Eindhoven the club won the KNVB Cup and just need one point in their last match against Azat Alkmaar to secure second place ahead of Ajax and a place in the playoffs for the lucrative Champions League competition so uh, I guess the coach is feeling pretty pleased with the way things are going. There is uh, no drama whatsoever in Eindhoven right now. Uh, everything is going very smooth. Uh, well, he's actually just resigned. <laughs> uh, in, in a move that shocked absolutely everybody, uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy walked out of the club this week saying he didn't feel he had the support of uh, PSV's directors. Telegraaf reported that his relationship with the assistant coaches, Andre Oya and Fred Rutten, had broken down 
and on Monday the newspaper broke the news that senior players had called a meeting with the club's directors after the cup final where they said that they were unhappy with Fun Little Roy's methods. Hmm. That was enough for the manager to conclude that he wasn't wanted and he packed his bags on Wednesday morning just four days before the crucial match in Alkmaar. Okay, but yeah, they basically have nothing to complain about, right? Right, because well, the long list of successes. Yeah, you'd think so. It's, it's very strange that yeah, PSV have uh, been yeah, it's been quite a kind of restless club in the last few years. They they lost Mark from Bommel a couple of years ago in quite similar circumstances, where yeah, he's um, I think he just uh, had a, had a fallout with the players uh, even after mm. he had a very good positive start to the season, uh, and then in the second half of the season, it all kind of. Uh, everything ran aground. Uh, we've had very mixed results this season for PSV. I mean, they, they, they've beaten Ajax four times. But they also lost to Kambur and Groningen, who are the two teams mm. that are now dropping down to the Koken Kampioen Divisie. So, yeah. yeah, things are off. Obviously, it's, they're not, it's not an entirely happy ship, it's fair to say. Okay, yes. And uh, how did the players of uh, PSV respond? Well, several players, uh, including Luke de Jong, had been uh, uh, saying that the team's performances had gone downhill in recent weeks uh, since the cup final. Uh, they needed to score twice in the last 12 minutes to take a point last weekend at Hirafein and stay on course for that uh, very important second place finish, which is worth about 40 million euros, I think, if you get into the Champions League uh, group stages. On the other hand, uh, Xavi Simons, who's arguably emerged this year as the best player in the Eredivisie, posted a glowing tribute to the coach on Twitter, saying, thank you for making me a better player and helping me achieve one of my dreams of making it to the national team. Hmm. Uh, Van Roy was criticised for his communication style and felt isolated following the departure of PSV's technical director, John de Jong, and the best player in the first half of the season, Cody Gakpo, who uh, then left for Liverpool after impressing for the Netherlands at the World Cup. And uh, where does this leave the team? Well, I've got to say it's not the best preparation when your last league match is uh, such a crucial one against one of your closest rivals. Uh, PSV yeah. need to draw in Alkmaar against AZ, otherwise Ajax can snatch second place by beating Twente Enschede. But AZ have got ambitions of their own, because if they win and Ajax lose, AZ will finish third, and that will put them into the Europa League rather than the less prestigious Conference League. Uh, hmm. So it's all to play for. Um, yeah, and while we're on the subject of the Eredivisie, Emmen were confirmed in 16th place after losing to Feyenoord at the weekend, and that means they'll now have to fight it out with seven teams from the Kogenkampion Divisie to retain their place in the top flight next season. Um, so we've had a managerial departure this week, but not one uh, we were all expecting. No, uh, it's been a bit of a strange week, because in another plot twist, Ari Slot is staying at Feyenoord even though everyone seemed to think he was about to leave. After yeah. leading the Rotterdam club to their first league title in six years, uh, the 44-year-old was widely tipped to be out of his, on his way out of the De Kaup. The Telegraph ran a series of breathless reports saying his agent had been in talks with the English premiership side Tottenham Hotspur and Slot was understood to have agreed to a move in principle. But hmm. in what can only be described as a disaster for the Telegraph's chief football writer, Valentin Driessen, Feyenoord announced this week that Slot was in fact staying and would try to build on the success of the last two seasons. Slot said there were no transfer talks, there hadn't been any, and his agent's discussion with the Feyenoord's directors were solely about an extension to his contract. And probably also he negotiated uh, quite a healthy pay rise, uh, even though he's already the highest paid coach in the Eredivisie, earning reportedly €2 million Euros a year. Hmm. And um, returning to AZ, uh, their fans uh, didn't distinguish themselves in Europe this season, to say the least. Uh, there were pretty uh, yeah, dreadful displays of uh, violence um, last week, I believe. Uh, what's the latest on that? 
Yeah, police have now arrested 11 people following the riots that uh, you know, marred the end of the semi-final in Alkmaar against West Ham, uh, which Azet lost uh, the tie 2-0. Several, uh, seven people came forward after police threatened to broadcast photographs of their faces in their Opsporium Versacht, which is the TV Help the Police show, while four others gave themselves up after the programme had been aired. Nine people have since been detained in custody, accused of offences such as violent disorder and premeditated assault. Meanwhile, one West Ham fan who fought off the Azat hooligans has been given a ticket for the final against Fiorentina in Prague. Chris Nolzy Noll was shown throwing punches after he was caught up in the melee, although a friend on Twitter later explained he was only there because he has mobility issues and he actually physically couldn't get away. So he just stood there and waved his fists around to great effect, By if you look at the pictures. There are even figurines of Nolsey available on eBay if you want a souvenir of an evening's grievous bodily harm in Alkmaar, which is officially the 29th most attractive town in the Netherlands. <laughs> um, and we should also congratulate uh, Ajax women's team, even though uh, Ajax itself doesn't really want to celebrate it, right? Yeah, we absolutely should congratulate Ajax women's team for winning the league title for the first time in five years because nobody else is going to. Uh, the team uh, were invited to a balcony celebration or a celebration on lighter plane, in fact, by Amsterdam's mayor Famke Halsema. But the club said they weren't going because they were in a sulk about the poor performance of the men's team this year. Hmm. The club told Nupentenel that they'd asked the council to withdraw the offer because of the lack of a celebratory mood around Ajax in general. So they won a league title, but it was only the women, so they couldn't really yes. get in the winning Can't spirit. possibly you know. celebrate that, of course. No, no, what a, yeah, what a load of exactly. Yes. They, they should just stay home and probably do some hoovering or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was all quite a poor display. Yeah, the, and the more they tried to justify it, the the, the more pathetic they sounded, uh, really. Uh, and they also said that they didn't want to celebrate on later plane because um, the Ajax men's team used to um, have their official reception on later plane, but then that was cancelled in 2007 because uh, all the fans rioted. So, again, oh, yeah. b b because the men mis misbehaved, the, the women can't have their fun. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, uh, uh, <laughs> what what then, place did Amsterdam yeah, uh, ended up on this list? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amsterdam. It was. Uh, let me see now. It was. Uh, it was, oh, it was uh, apparently the most attractive city in the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Such a um, mystery. Yeah. And the club also said they were worried that nobody would turn up for the festivities, and it would be an mm. even bigger embarrassment than uh, the penalties they took at the end of the cup final. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, uh, yeah, uh, the women get nothing. Not even a signed photograph of former director of football Mark Overmars. <laughs> It's a good thing that he's not handing out uh, photographs anymore. So, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I hope he isn't. I hope he's learned to yes. listen. Former Ajax player Miguel van Dongen said, "With friends like these, who needs enemies? I am extremely disappointed in what is supposed to be my club." So, finally, uh, what is happening in cricket? I thought you'd never ask. In uh, contrast to Ajax's uh, footballers, the Dutch team, been, the Dutch men, have been doing pretty well on the cricket pitch. The A-team played a three-match T20 series against Italy this week. Uh, in the first match on Tuesday, uh, the Netherlands managed a fairly modest 130 runs in their innings, including 36 for Michael Levitt. But then they bowled out the Italians for just 88, with uh, Olivier Elenbaas taking four wickets for the loss of just nine runs. In the second match, the batsmen uh, uh, gave a much better account of themselves. They scored 197, including 62 for Tia Nidemanuru and 36 of 15 balls for Sharis Ahmad. In reply, the Italians could only measure 135 for 8. And the okay. third match is going to be on Friday, but we can't bring the result of that. So 
Look it up on Google. Um, <laughs> the draw for the World Cup qualifiers was also made this week. Uh, Orania have been drawn in qualifying Group A with the West Indies, Zimbabwe, Nepal and the USA. The top three teams will all go through to the Super 6 and the two finalists will qualify for the ICC tournament which takes place in India later this year. Hmm. The matches are being played in Zimbabwe next month and Captain Scott Edwards says uh, he's confident that the squad can play a brand of cricket that will be successful in those conditions. But they've been dealt a blow because several English counties have already said they won't release their players from their contracts to take part. Brexit means Brexit. Apparently. <laughs> in Dutch cricket, anyway. Cricket. You know, you know what's interesting about uh, this West Indies team? Yeah. Do you know which Dutch island uh, is also part of that team? I'm guessing Curaçao. No, Sint Maarten. Sint Maarten? Uh, they, yes, they, they count as part of the West Indies. Have they ever actually had a player in the West Indies team? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it is included in the West Indies team. So it is... Uh, yeah. Whoever wins, we can still claim... Uh, uh, yeah, we can still claim a win. Well, that's a piece of trivia I never knew before. Yes, yeah, so, so, so you see, you know but more. The French about part of Saint Martin isn't part of the West Indies team, so ah. that's interesting. Okay, well, you know more about cricket than you than you think. Last week, uh, we mentioned that the government's accountant agency broke into high security areas of uh, the Dutch military, even though this time they might actually have a legitimate reason. Because military personnel uh, apparently build up a personal training budget uh, over their career uh, that they can use for talent development, personal growth and professional education. Or at least that's the idea. Uh, This week uh, it was revealed that dozens of members of the armed forces have spent their personal budget on expensive barbecue courses, um, (laughs) the 10-day game fish and beef masterclasses at the Kolenboertje company in Wierden cost around 4,500 euros and also includes receiving a luxurious green egg barbecue. The courses were initially booked with permission from uh, and thus paid for by the Ministry of Defense. Uh, The alarm was raised because of the green egg, because uh, regulations prohibit receiving high-value items for private use. Uh, Some of the military will face high fines or might lose their jobs. Uh, and some uh, might even face criminal charges uh, because, yeah, several of the uh, 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 s- several of the of the soldiers dropped the course after they had received the green egg barbecue, and that means that there is also a case of forgery. <laughs> um, so so fraudulently, so, so, so imagine being court-martialed for fraudulently obtaining a, a green egg barbecue. Uh, I have uh, an even more ridiculous uh, <laughs> case of uh, of, of uh, military personnel being court-martialed. Right. Those were members of the Marechaussee who were um, guarding the royal stables in The Hague. Yeah. And they were caught stealing uh, candy from a vending machine. Uh, <laughs> and they were court-martialed and they were uh, also fired. So, uh, right. yes, uh, this uh, this might be even, uh, in terms of monetary value, this is an even wor- worse crime. Yeah, um, yeah. the personal training budget was created in 2019 and was intended to make working for the military more attractive. Defense personnel have interpreted talent developments a little bit too broadly, <laughs> uh, but the ministry had, a, every, had a, a, a approved everything and had paid for everything. Uh, and also uh, they have paid for golf and yoga and diving courses. Uh, and uh, in the latter case, that also included a ticket to Curaçao. Um, so <laughs> conveniently yes yeah. uh, and the conditions yeah. are now being tightened up 
and the ministry will only pay for courses that are listed in the stop registry. <laughs> okay. but the stop so no chance of uh, no chance of being them funding any trivial courses then. No, 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 no. But this registry is now being uh, created because of the problems we had with the stop yeah. uh, budget uh, in previous <laughs> years. So, um, but still, uh, th there are still. I mean, it is it is a little bit unfair because you know the ministry has given a green light for these courses. They have paid for it. They've probably yeah. seen the bill and what, what, what yeah what they were going to pay for and to now yeah. say, you say they, they, they should have read the application properly and if they if, if, if they evaluated it and passed it then yeah it, it's on them really yeah sure. yeah, I, yeah. I, and I also can... you never know when you're going to need your crack barbecue cooking division you know <laughs> no, i mean exactly yes I mean, cooking is a re really you know, essential part of uh, you know, being in the army, you know, every, yeah. every ex every ex military person I've ever known is a fantastic chef because it's something they took really <laughs> seriously. So, yes, um, and what I also liked was uh, the website of uh, Kolenboertje in Wierde. They say that mm. um, uh, unlike many suppliers in the market, our focus is not on selling as many accessories as possible, but on transferring real knowledge. So, um, yeah, mm. you you buy a barbecue, but uh, their focus is not uh, not on uh, on selling s uh, stuff you don't need. Uh, that I no. thought it was also very nice. <laughs> you will experience. Uh, you will experience through the art of emissions. The true master will arise in you. So yeah, right. It's very beautifully put. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost convinced. That was uh, all that we have for you this week. This uh, production, this podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon now at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek, and we'll be back next week. Music.